week, uh, this weekend is Mother's Day. Um, both of our mothers have passed and are experiencing Mother's Day in heaven today. Uh, so uh, Donna is the only mom I have left. And, uh, you know, she's a lot more to me than just mom, but she kind of is my mom, you know. She kind of makes sure that I get up and get dressed and brush my teeth and comb my hair and all that kind of thing. Every now and then she'll cook for me and she does my laundry. I have to just let her know, babe, I'm getting, I'm getting short on shorts. And so she'll get it together and she, she's a good lady. And I, I appreciate her uh, so very much. Uh, but Mother's Day is just a happy day. I know that it is as we celebrate our parents and, and our mother in particular. And so today... I want to talk to you for a few moments on that, the title, The Gifts Your Mother Will Cherish. The Gifts That Your Mother Will Cherish. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this gathering of wonderful people who love you and uh, have come today to worship you and to honor their mother. Pray that you'll open our ears as we study your word today and that we will be blessed as we leave this house. Thank you for the women of our church. Whether they're mothers or not, Father, they have a wonderful role to play in the body of Christ, and we thank you for our women. So, Lord, now I pray that you'll help me to preach effectively, and, Lord, to be able to give a word that will benefit our lives today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start uh, by pulling a Joel Osteen on you. You know, Joel always starts with a little joke, a little funny. So I was thinking about Mother's Day, and, and I, I heard about this little boy that came in while his mother was putting cold cream on her face. And she's standing at the mirror, and she's putting it all over her face. And the little boy said, Mom, said, uh, what's that that you're doing? And she said, well, I'm putting cream on my face so that it will be moisturized and I will be pretty. And he said, oh, and so as he's standing there watching her, she gets the wash rag and she begins to wipe off the cream that she had applied to her face. And the little boy said, why are you giving up so quickly? <laughs> and so yeah, there you go. If you didn't like that one, I got one more I'm going to try on you, okay? So I wasn't sure about that one. There's a police recruit was taking his final exam, and one of the questions was, what would you do if you had to arrest your own mother? And he put down as the answer, call for backup. <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. Mother's Day started in 1907. A lady by the name of Anna Jarvis of Philadelphia started a campaign to honor mothers. And it came two years after she had lost her own mother. In 1910, West Virginia became the first state to recognize Mother's Day as a holiday. The very next year, almost every state in the United States joined with them and made Mother's Day a holiday, a state holiday. In 1914, President Woodrow Wilson jumped on and officially proclaimed Mother's Day to be a national holiday every year, the second Sunday in May. 
As this began to happen, it became commercialized. I bet you didn't know that Mother's Day is commercialized, but it is. And it made Anna upset because the thing that she was so proud of, that there was a day set aside to honor mothers, had become so commercialized. And on one particular year, as she saw a group of people selling the, the white carnations to make a profit, and as a fundraiser, she became so incensed that she protested and got arrested because she was protesting against Mother's Day, which was the very thing that she had created to honor moms. And when they asked her why she was protesting against it, she said, because I simply wanted it to be a day that we could, that we could honor our mothers and a day of sentiment and, and not a day for profit. Well, as you know, Mother's Day has continued. Uh, it looks a little different from year to year and uh, different things that we are able to do. Uh, most guys, in an effort to try uh, to honor their wives and honor their mothers, they'll go out and buy gifts. And sometimes they like jewelry and sometimes like, they like flowers and sometimes they like to be taken out to a nice restaurant and and, and bought a steak or salmon or whatever it is that you enjoy eating. And guys work real hard at trying to purchase gifts and get gifts for their wives and for their mothers. And sometimes they do a very nice job of that. Would you not agree? But sometimes they fail miserably. Let me tell you about one of my failures in getting my wife a gift. I'd heard her talk about something that she wanted for a long, long time. And I decided that I was going to get that gift for her. And so I bought her a new set of cookware, pots and pans. And I gave those to her as a gift. Now, I thought I had done a really good job. Some of you guys are looking at some of the other guys I feel like that I am not alone in making this mistake. Uh, she was very gracious, but she also schooled me in the fact that those kinds of um, times of celebration were not good times to buy her household items, vacuum cleaners and things like that. So, you know, we sometimes fail when it comes to this idea of gift giving. Well, I'm not going to try to tell you what you should buy your mother today, but I would like to give you from a spiritual perspective some gifts that I think that you could give your mother, your wife, the lady in your life, and they will be very cherished by her. So let's look at six things that you can give to your mother, to your wife, that she will cherish. The first one is this. It's obedience. Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Did you see those last words? We should honor and obey our parents because 
it is the right thing to do. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't neglect your mother's teaching. And then in Luke chapter 2, verses 51 and 52, it says, talking about Jesus here, it says, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with, his, with people. Now, there, there is a, a little twist here in this passage of Scripture because you know there was a time when Jesus just kind of uh, flew by the seat of his britches, if you will, when he was 12 years old. They couldn't find him one time. And it's like, where's Jesus? He had gone to the Father's house where he was serving in the temple. When they found him, he said, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you would know and understand that I must be about the Father's business. But he also understood that he had to work in conjunction with his parents. And so the Bible says he went home with them and he was obedient to them. And then it says his mother kept all these things in her heart. Can you imagine what Mary was trying to process in her life? I mean, she's trying to raise not, even, not just a human child, but a child that she understood to be the very Son of God. What a task that must have been for her. Now, obeying your parents is something that changes throughout life. Now, when we're young, we obey them just because we have to. I mean, there were times that my children would say, why do I have to do that? And my answer to them was, because I said so. I remember telling Jonathan one time to take the trash out, and he said, why? And I said, because that's the reason I had you. <laughs> we wanted someone to take the trash out other than us. Of course, I was kidding with him, but the truth of the matter is that when our children are young, we have the authority over them to require that they are obedient to the things that we ask them to do. But then they become teenagers, and I don't know what happens when they become teenagers. It's like their mind goes crazy or something like that. And it's like, you, you know, you don't, you, you don't know what each day is going to bring. And what happens is, is that that line, because I said so, it doesn't work anymore. Because they've tasted freedom and they've tasted independence. And that's a God thing. We want them to be independent because we want them to learn how to live a life that is, uh, in, that is dependent upon God and not dependent upon us. We should not have to be taking care of our children when we are 50 years old and 40 years old and 60 years old. So it has to change as we grow and as they mature. And so through life, they may ask us to do things 
And we have to understand that the logistics of obedience has to change somewhat with our relationship with our child. The author Susanna, Susanna Wesley said, The child that never learns to obey his parents in the home will not obey God or man outside of the home. In other words, if we don't teach them while they are in our home, then we cannot expect them to have a relationship with society that will be productive. So the first thing that I would recommend is that we learn how to give our mother and our parents honor and obedience. The second thing is that we should respect them. Exodus chapter 20 in verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother so that you might have long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It is the first promise in Scripture that is given about long life and a blessing upon us. And it is simply respect and honor your parents. Because if you will, things will go well in your life. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 20 says, Whoever curses his father or mother, his lamp will go out in deep darkness. So for those of you who still have a mother and a father, I, I need for you to understand what this passage says. If you curse them and, and you don't respect them and honor them, then there are going to be some dark days ahead in your life. We are to respect them. Chinese proverb says, Respect for one's parents is the highest duty of civil life. In other words, there's nothing greater that you can do in and for your family than to respect your parents. Now, I know that there are some that you came from a family that is in disarray. You came and were raised in a dysfunctional family. Some of you even to this day live in an environment where your family is dysfunctional. And for you to respect your mom or your dad can be very difficult at times. But listen, I want you to understand that you can always find a way to respect and honor your parents, even if they have not been worthy of it. Here's something that came to my mind this week as I was preparing. It says respect for the person often begins with respect for the position. Let me say that again. Respect for the person often begins with respect for the position. Now, on your way home today, if you get pulled over by a police officer, and by the way, I appreciate so much our police force and those who watch over us and keep us protected. It's like any other profession. There are good ones and bad ones. But I appreciate those uh, who work and give of their lives to protect us. But listen, if I'm on my way home today and I get pulled over by a police officer, I am not going to jump out of the car and start cursing that police officer, be it a man or a woman. 
I'm not going to start arguing with them and saying, why did you pull me over? What did I do wrong? I didn't do anything to deserve this. I'm going to sit there with my hands on the wheel, and when they ask me to roll the window down, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to work through that process as peacefully as I can and as respectfully as I can because of the position that they hold in my life. I'm not going to let some bad cop or bad police officer cause me to treat all police officers badly. No, instead, I'm going to respect the position. And what I'm suggesting to you today is, is that you may have had a father or a mother who honestly did not deserve and does not deserve your respect. But God says, if you will honor the position, he will help you to be able to find a way to honor the person as well over time. So one of the greatest gifts that you can give your parents is respect. Thirdly, the best one, this is my favorite. Good gift to give your mom is affection. If you haven't already slobbered on her cheek today, you ought to consider doing that if you're close enough that you can. Now, I know that some people aren't huggers and, and all that kind of thing, but a good kiss on the cheek will do more for your mom than you can even imagine. There's a passage of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 20. It's when Elijah has gone to anoint Elisha to be his replacement as a prophet. And the conversation goes like this. Elisha left his oxen and ran to follow Elijah, and he said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. And Elijah said to Elisha, Go on back, for what have I done to you? In other words, what Elijah is saying, I would never prevent you from going back and honoring your father and your mother. I haven't done that to you. I've called you. I've anointed you to be a prophet who will succeed at my ministry. But I have not positioned you to disrespect your parents, your mom, and your father that you might leave without saying proper goodbyes. And Elisha wanted to go kiss his mama. Let me tell you, there's nothing I'd rather be able to do right now than to kiss my mama one more time. Just to be able to hold her hand one more time. Just to be able to hug her neck one more time. I'll have that opportunity one of these days because I know where she is. She's in heaven with her Savior, Jesus. One of these days, I'm going to be reunited with her. And when I get finished with all that I need to do when I first arrive, I'm going to find my mama, and I'm going to wrap my arms around her neck, and I'm going to hug her, and I'm going to be able to hear her voice one more time. Something that I couldn't hear in the latter years of her life because of her inability to speak. And I'm telling you there's nothing you could do for your mother today that she would love any more than for you to just give her some affection.
And I know some of you are thinking, well, I don't like all that mushy stuff. Well, just uh, here, here's a good word from the Lord for you today. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Hug your mother. A gentle touch on her back or on her hand. A smile. My kids are always saying that I'm the meanest looking dude that ever walked the face of the earth. I heard somebody saying to my daughter the other day, she said, they said, you don't say, you're like your dad. Well, I have to work to smile. I really do. If I, my natural face is just ugly. My, my natural face is just one that is turned it down. I have to work to get it pointing the other direction. But I'm telling you that I'm looking at you today, and though my face may not be revealing it, I'm smiling on the inside because I love you and I appreciate you. Smile at your mom. A good laugh with them and not at them because I can tell you the older you get, the more sensitive you can become because there are things that you once could do that you can't do any longer. There, there are some things that just don't work out the way that they did when you were younger. If you make fun of your parents, it's not going to be well received. But when you have fun with your parents, they will appreciate that. So a good laugh with them and not at them. Take them out for coffee or go over to their house and have a meal. Not so that she can necessarily cook for you, although there are some moms that the best thing in the world for you to do for them is to sit down at her table and eat some biscuits and gravy or some fried potatoes or some pork chops or a steak or a hamburger or a hot dog or fried eggs. Hallelujah. I'm about to shout right now. And we won't be able to get in a restaurant in Louisville for three hours today. But just sit down with her. Send them a card or a, a flower. Just instead of telling them, send the card. Give some affection to your parents and share some happy memories. Sit down with them and say, hey, Mom, do you remember that time when whatever? Do you remember that day? this and just share some happy memories and some affection with your mom fourthly share their wisdom get smart use your noggin loosen your noodle and let it work and bring about positive things use your head Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1 says, Solomon's Proverbs, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son heartache to his mother. In Proverbs 17 and 25, it says, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to the one who bore him. Listen, if you want your parents to be proud of you, you need to participate. You need to use wisdom. Yeah, I talk about knowledge and understanding and wisdom probably until you get tired of hearing about it. But listen, when you take your mother's knowledge 
and you understand why that knowledge is important, and then you apply wisdom in your life, it will make your mother and your father happy. Listen, I can tell you there have been times in my life when I looked at my children, and as much as I loved them, I just shook my head in disbelief. There are times that I thought, that is not my kid. I knew that it was. But it just didn't seem like they were my child because of the choices that they were making. But you know what I've discovered? If as a parent, if you can just be patient, if you can pray for them, if you can close your mouth sometimes, and just allow them to gain the wisdom. You know, one of the things that's wrong with our society today is because we don't let our kids learn hard lessons. <laughs> I, you, you know how it is, and I'm not knocking all this stuff, but my gracious, when I was a kid, we didn't have pads on our knees and pads on our elbows and helmets on our heads and all that kind of stuff just to ride our bicycle down the street. I mean, it's one thing to have a car seat in the car and a seat belt, but you're just going down the street. I think sometimes we get, they need, need to get knocked around a little bit in order to learn some lessons. Because there are things that experience will teach us that nothing else will be able to teach you know, now that we have a school and child care and all, I, I get amazed sometimes at parents and the things that they can get so upset about. You know, oh, I can't believe. We had one just recently got upset because we clipped their child down on the clip chart. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, you need to get in the real world today. You know, back in my day, they used to take us out in the hall. We bent over and grabbed our ankles, and they sent us in the next week with a wooden paddle. And the really good teachers had paddles with holes drilled in them. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about. But now we have to be so careful. We have these little charts, blue and green and pink, and I'm not sure what, what, what's good and what's bad on that, but we go, oh, you, you were not good, so we're going to clip you down. Let me tell you something. If I got clipped down at school, when I got home, I'd have had a beat down on my backside because I got clipped down. I'm not... I'm not contoning that you take all your kids today and line them up and whip them just for the fun of it. It's Mother's Day. <laughs> Let's wait until tomorrow to do that. But what I'm saying is that wisdom only comes to them as we teach them and as we discipline them so that they'll know what wisdom can do in their lives. Now, a parent has a responsibility and a child has a responsibility. The parent has a responsibility to teach that child in the way they should go so that when they are old, they shall not depart from it. 
And we also, also have to be smart enough to understand that we cannot teach a 17-year-old the same way that we teach a 2-year-old or 5-year-old. I should be the adult and know the difference. I should not be chasing my 17-year-old around the house with a bullwhip trying to spank them. Listen, they might grab that bullwhip from you and put a whooping on you. I remember years ago, I got a call. It was late at night. A family in the church, they said our son came in. He's drunk. He, he just beat his mother up. She's got three or four broken ribs. We called the ambulance, and, and we want you to come over here. And I'm thinking, well, why are you calling me? I went over to the house. It was a two-story house. Mom was sitting in his chair. She's waiting for the ambulance to arrive. She's got broken ribs. Uh, the dad, he looked like he had had a skirmish with the son and didn't come out all that well. And when I walked in the door, this young man was standing at the top of the steps. And they said, ah, oh. he said, they called the preacher. And he looked down at me and pointed his finger at me. And he said, you see them? I'm getting ready to do to you the same thing I just did to them. I forgot to pray before I went over there. <laughs> and so in my flesh, I looked up the steps and I said, come on down here, big boy. I know you think you're tough, but you're going to have a whole lot tougher time whipping me than you did mom and dad. So come on down. He went around, went into his bedroom, thought better of it. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say you can't really deal in the same way in every circumstance. So the parents have to have the wisdom that they need to give their children the teaching in the moment that they need it. By the way, if that happens at your house, don't call me to come over. Just call somebody else. The fifth gift that you can give your mom is the gift of righteousness. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 24 and 25 says, The father of a righteous son will rejoice greatly, and one who fathers a wise son will delight in him. And you say, well, that doesn't say anything about mothers, but what that's talking about there is a parental figure. It's not just talking about the father himself, but it's talking about the parent, the mother as well. Let your father and mother have joy, and let her who gave birth to you rejoice. Scripture is saying that there's nothing that a mother wants any more than for her children to grow up and live a righteous life in Christ Jesus. I can tell you I'm not nearly as concerned that my children didn't grow up to be rich and famous I'm so thrilled, and I know that Donna feels the same way, that both of them love Jesus and that they serve the Lord with every ounce of energy that they have. And they are raising and training up their own children in the ways of the kingdom. Because, listen, 
ultimately, that's the only thing that's going to matter. When we stand before the Lord one of these days, he's not going to say, oh, you did a good job. You made a lot of money. You've got three Cadillacs, gold-plated, sitting in your garages. You've got this, that, and it. No, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little things. Enter in now to the joys that I have prepared for you. Our God is preparing things for us and for our children. And the only way that we're going to be able to attain those blessings is if we will walk in righteousness on this earth. It's one of the best things that you can give your parents. Now, our responsibility to help get our children there is to train them. I'm amazed at the number of people who do not believe that having a relationship with a local church is not important to their children. But I can tell you that the scripture bears out that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Such is the manner of some and particularly in the last days. You need to bring your kids to church. You need to come to church. And you're here. So let me say that to the camera. I love you guys that are out there listening to me today. But you need to bring your kids to church. You need to have a relationship with a local church. And let me just go ahead and say, if our church does not appeal to you, find a church that does. Find a church that you can feel comfortable in and stay there. Listen, God, I've already made it clear. I'm not here to make you comfortable. Spirit of God is not here to make us comfortable. Spirit of God is here to make us conformable to the Word of God and the will of God. So if you've got to have some place where you can just sit and let the breeze blow through your haircut, this might not be the place for you. Because I'm going to try to encourage you and raise you up in your faith and walk with the Lord. That's what we should be doing with our Lord, uh, with our kids. We need to teach them to pray. We need to teach them to read scripture. We need to teach them to give. We need to teach them to serve. Can I just stay there for a minute? It's really been on my heart that our kids need to learn how to serve the Lord. They need to know more than just coming and hearing some guy spout off from the pulpit. They need to be ushers. They need to be in the choir singing. It, they, they need to be dancing. They need to be teaching. They need to be feeding the homeless. They need to be rolling up their sleeves uh, and serving individuals in our world. Because there's power in service. William Shakespeare said, Things won are done. Joy's soul lies in the doing. What he's saying is, do you want to experience joy? It will come to you when you find your ministry gift and you begin to serve. James chapter 1 verses 22 through 25 says, but, he, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror for he looks at himself and he goes away and he immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So we need to not just tell our kids, but we need to let them do what the Word of God says. And then finally, there's one other thing that I want to mention to you. A great ministry gift that you should consider giving to your mom and to your dad if necessary. And that is, we should care for them. I don't say that as an emotion. I say it as an act of service to them. We should care about their needs. As our parents get older, they need our care more and more. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 4, 8, and 16 says, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first, and repay their parents, for this pleases God. Verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. In the King James Version, that word unbeliever is infidel. In other words, you're not much of a person if you don't take care of your parents. And then verse 16, if any believing woman has widows in her family, let her help them and let the church not be burdened so that it can help widows in genuine need. In other words, we're supposed to reach out to one another. We're supposed to help one another. If we see our parents in need, we are to help them. I get tickled at my sister, and I'll use this as a, as a closing statement, but my sister is 72 years old. Uh, getting ready to turn 73. If you're watching online, Janice, that's you. The older sister, you always have been. You always will be. I have another sister that she's um, 68, I think. Am I right about that? 68. They're both much older than I am. <laughs> at 62. But I got tickled at my older sister because she gathered her children around and they were talking about all this end of life stuff that, you know, sometimes you have to talk about, you know, if I go in the hospital, I want this, this, and this, and I don't want this, this, and this. And by the way, we've been to the lawyer and we made a will and you, you get this and you get that and you get nothing at all. And, and, you know, I, that was the dog I was talking about and, and, and all of these kinds of things. And she was having this conversation and she said this to them. She said, listen, when I can no longer take care of myself, she said, I don't want you to feel obligated to bring me to your house and let me live with you. She said, because I understand because she's done it. My other sister has done it. 
and my wife and I have taken care of our elderly parents. She said, I don't want you to feel that burden. She said, so go ahead and feel free to put me in a nice nursing home. She said, but I promise you one thing, that if you leave me to die and you don't come see me, then when I die, I'm going to come haunt your house. I'm going to haunt everything that I can haunt. She said, I'm serious when I say I don't want to be left alone. She said, I'm kidding about haunting you. I would never do anything other than bless you. She said, but please don't leave me alone. Please don't let me rot and die in a corner somewhere without having interaction with my family. And so what I'm saying to some of you, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, you still have parents in your life that they need you. They need you in a different kind of way right now, but they need you in a way that will allow you to minister grace and peace to them. And let me just go ahead and tell you that if you decide to give some kind of care to your parents as they approach their last years, it will be the most difficult thing that you will ever do in your life. It was for us. It was hard. You might want to go to a baseball game and you can't because you have to stay home. You might want to go see uh, UK or U of We got some UK guys here today, so I better make sure that UK wins in my example. Can't even go because you're busy taking care. You can't go without the trunk of your car being full of wheelchairs and things of that nature. It's a season of life that can be very difficult. But let me tell you, it is God's idea that we should take care of our families. And if we don't, the Bible says that we are worse than infidels. Now, I'm not trying to pressure you, but what I am trying to say is that one of the best gifts that you can give your mom or your dad, dad is to love them and care for them in the latter years of their lives. They'll need it. I could try to guilt you in by saying, oh, just try and think about all the dirty diapers that they had to clean and all that kind of stuff. And now it's your turn to clean up dirty diapers and all that kind of stuff. I could try and say all that kind of stuff, but that's my, not my point. To, I'm not trying to guilt you into doing anything. What I'm telling you is, is that God has established the family and he has told us when our parents get older, it's our responsibility to care for them as best we can. Now I'm thankful that we have a lot of agencies these days and a lot of people who can help us in that endeavor. But we should never get to a place where we say, I don't want to bother with you anymore, mom. I don't want to bother with you anymore, dad. I just don't. We're going to close out a little differently today. I want you to watch a video that Donna has selected for us today. This video is called The Blessing. And the message of this song is powerful. I want you to watch it, listen to it. If you want to stand and worship, you can feel free to do that. But at the close of this song in this video, our children and our young adults are going to join us in the sanctuary so that we can be together in families 
and we're going to pray together as we close out today. So if you don't mind, guys, go ahead and roll this video, and let's watch it, and then we'll close with prayer. 